so I'm um, I'm very much in in the camp that, that Rosie's in. Uh, this last year, uh, the people at Trueflation, which was brought on my radar screen by screen by a bunch of bond traders, um, they're like, "This is what you got to follow. It's a real time inflation metric." So I actually got the raw data from the people from January of 2012. Correlation 0.97. It's sitting at 2.18. So if you believe that that rates are going to fall, and if you believe Michael Barr, who said twice in the last few days, the bank, the BTFP is going away on March 11th. But in a falling rate environment, that $141 billion will get absorbed. Now, it's, it was a moral hazard play, and it backstopped, it, it prevented contagion in the financial system. It prevented the bank runs from being one set of dominoes after another. But it's easy enough to increase deposit coverage for these banks. And the Fed is wise now to the fact that it's being used as a, as a small little arbitrage tool. So when they say it's going away on March 11th, it's going away. And I think that FHLB and other funding sources will quickly absorb it in a falling rate environment. Uh, real quick, um, the history of the Fed is whenever there's a crisis, they, they tend to do the right thing and then do it way too long. And that was, that was QE after the financial crisis and what they did after, the, um, um, after COVID. The bank term funding agreement where you can, your collateral's at par was useful in March and April. And mm -hmm. then it just became an arbitrage cheap form of financing. And it, it, the reason there's $141 billion in it is because it's a deal. Yeah. And that's why it's going away because they're just subsidizing bank profits at this point. Yeah. They're not supporting anything. So, Jeffrey, you brought up issuance as gangbusters, and you feel like it's like, wow, bonds. Jay Powell's boogeyman is issuance. Jay Powell's, Jay Powell's boogeyman is not a stock market correction. But if you see issuance dry up, which you saw for 41 record days, starting on November the 14th, 2018. It took him a while in 2018, though, right? Oh, it took him a, it took him a while. And then, it, but eventually, the credit freezing up bled into the stock market. People don't understand. It doesn't start in the stock market. It starts in the credit market. But his biggest boogeyman, the thing that keeps Jay Powell up at night, is issuance. So if I could throw in one, it's not totally financial, but it is, it's, it's, the, um, it's the Red Sea. 30% of all container shipping goes through the Red Sea. It is not. It is going around Africa. Uh, it is in a just-in-time inventory world. That means something like $200 billion of goods are now late. So that means manufacturing processes are going to get messed up. Two days ago, we had the attack by the Houthis in the Red Sea that was repelled. And now the UK and the US said that they're going to respond, if not this moment, real fast. And we're about to find out in the next couple of days, is this going to be over with by next week? And then all the container ships are going to be going through the Red Sea? Or are they not going to be able to go through the Red Sea for several months? And if they're not going to be able to go through the Red Sea for several months, we're going to have goods inflation because of, of, um, of, of just-in-time inventory. So we'll find out. We'll find out here very shortly. And so that's on my radar right now. I think Lori Logan is rightfully concerned, and John Williams begs to differ with her right now. And we're seeing something very rare, which is a public spat um, from former boss to former underling, who's now the president of the Dallas Fed. 
Um, but I, I think that there's clearly a lot of, um, because right now bank balance sheets aren't what they once were, securitization's not running like it was running before. We've got this commercial real estate mess. We don't know what's what the underlying collateral is worth for so many regional banks. I don't think that ample reserves are as ample as they would have been in 2018 at $3.4 after the reserve repo facility goes down to $1 or $200 billion. I think there could be volatility and problems based upon the federal government's presidential election and congressional elections and stuff. I mean, that's just getting worse and more unbelievable. Not not using that word hyperbolically, it's really unbelievable. I was talking to one of my uh, clients in the, mid in the Mideast, uh, and uh, he just said, Jeffrey, what's going on in your country politically is surreal. It's just surreal. We just can't even believe it. I'm with Charles. I mean, I'm totally with Charles, who worries that, I mean, I'll be shorting every bond I can get my hands on if it looks like certain people with a high propensity to spend are going to be elected into I, office. I'm, just, I'm worried about... Uh, there being real problems with the, with who gets on the ballot, Except who doesn't get on the ballot. I think that the, it, third after party, the election, third I'm party about can, the day after. I am too. I I yeah. I, I think no matter who wins, I think that there's a, a, a non-trivial possibility. I'm not saying it's 50 percent, it's not even 40 percent that the presidential election gets decided in the House of Representatives. What percentage probability do you put that it that it is not Biden Trump that one or both are not going to be on the ballot in November? I think it's a little higher than 25%, and I think it's more likely that Biden's not on. How come nobody's mentioned that in the next few years we have, we haven't stress tested $2 trillion of corporate debt being refinanced? It's coming. We're trying to make yeah, it so, but, but, the but the question was about the, what, what is, I, I mean, frankly, I don't know. The, the Red Sea is a geopolitical event, and the election is a political event. The question was about what, what is the financial, what would the financial event be? That would upset the apple cart. The financial event. Well, Jeff, Nobody mentioned right, commercial real estate. You're, no, no one mentioned commercial real estate. Nobody mentioned that. Yeah, we had we've had the soft I did. landing. I did. Okay, I did. okay, but nobody's talked about. Well, nobody's talked about that. Okay, we had the soft landing because we haven't stress tested the system because we haven't had a refinancing yeah, cycle yet. That's just starting. The, the trend in commercial real estate is quite bad. It, it, it started to look a, a little bit better uh, entering 2023, late 2022. And now it's gone, gone right back up. And uh, the distress in multifamily is the, yeah, the, the longest that, bar on a chart that I have. That's, is in that's big there too. So yeah. That's not an albatross for the regional banks. Well, it's bigger in multifamily. That's not an albatross the, for the regional banks. Sure it is. Yeah. But I was gonna. What I was gonna ask was directly related to that. What about the whole fact that we can't pass budgets? You know, like uh, we've got another spending bill. You know, uh, the the new spending bills coming up. We're going to have another shutdown potentially. We've got two of them potentially the next month, month and a half. Are these not a bit? I don't know. What about Johnson? That's going to be out. the error of margin in right. the House of Representatives right now. The, the Republicans can afford to lose two votes because McCarthy's and going McCarthy on. just got ran out of town on negotiating. Well, so what happened? There's another congressman. But my point is, they can't even negotiate. There's two. two there's, I'll go back to what I said in the first segment. There's only one thing that fixes this, and that's the bond market. The, the, if you're going to wait for those magic politicians that are coming to fix it, they're not going to show up. Or that magic president that's going to come in and fix this, he's not going to do it. It's going to be the markets are going to say, you're done, enough, stop. So, Jim, I have a question for you. Jay Powell's worth $150 million. Why couldn't he stop this? 
Why couldn't he deliver the message to Congress? He he's trying to run the Fed, I think, is really what the answer is. And he's trying to not be political. And that is a bit of a political answer that, you know, uh, and he tries to say that as well. And I think he was. But if I was to put my tinfoil hat on to answer a question that came up earlier, December 1st, too early to talk about cutting rates. December 14th, three rate cuts are priced in. What happened between the 1st and the 14th? You asked the question, and the answer is nothing. Nothing happened between the 1st and 14th. Why did he do the 180 change? I, my conspiracy theory is the Fed likes to operate on a 12-0-11-1 vote. And we've seen this with regulatory approvals. Lael Brainerd would step up and say, I'm not voting for it. And then they would negotiate with her, even though it was 11-1 vote, even though Randy Quarles could get what he wants, 11-1 vote, because she was going to say no. We had to negotiate, so we had a 12-0 vote. I think a couple of doves came up to Jay and said, Jay, you got a 9-3 vote now. Jay, you got an 8-4 vote. You're going to get exactly what you want, but you're going to get it with eight or nine people. And he then adopted, okay, we'll stop. We'll talk. We'll let the data come. We'll see what's going on. And I think that there's a very political component within the Fed right now that's almost paralyzing them for the moment. Because I'll go back to what you suggested, that something changed between the 1st and the 14th of December because his, his rhetoric massively changed. But there was no data that changed between the 1st and the 14th. Of, uh, the only thing that changed was his rhetoric. Right. The assumption, though, was that the Fed knows knew or knows something. Oh, we've heard this for 40 years, that the Fed knows something they don't know anything <laughs> more than anybody. You know, I, I think uh, what, what drives Powell a lot was the transitory snafu. Oh, what a mess. And the showdown with him and, and Senator Shelby, I, that was just absolutely amazing. I mean, it essentially is like, you know, I, I know Paul Volcker and you know Paul Volcker. And, you know, this was supposed to be the, that's what really made this amazing. This was supposed to be a Volcker 2.0 right. that turned on a dime. There's not, there was not enough evidence out there. Although, if you listen, for me, when I listened to Powell for the last year, I think in his heart of hearts, he believed he can engineer a soft landing. And he just kind of let it out a little more, a little bit more. Maybe he wants to because he wants to get the stink off transitory. We talk because the legacy has come up a few times today, right? And I mean, all he has to do is get to March and not cut rates, and he will have held out for longer than Volcker did. March. March so was the date. Hmm. Charles, hope is a strategy when he comes to the <laughs> And the Fed, what, what, what nobody here has said is that the Fed's still tightening. And that the lag effect of the balance well, are they with, with all these other special it's programs. $71 billion in treasuries is going to roll off this month. That is a form of tightening, and the lag effect starts when that $74 billion in, in treasuries rolls off. The lag effect is dynamic, and it will continue to roll through this economy. For every billion dollars that's rolled off that balance sheet, it's like a... a it Maybe like Fuxitani Phil who woke up one morning and saw the lag shimmer. I'm just saying that the lack. I'm, I'm I'm just saying that we 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 timestamp June 2022 naively, because the the tightening has continued and the tightening is still occurring, and the and transitory. Uh, I mean, in the overall annals of economic history, I would say that uh, 18 months is pretty transitory. The problem is that we live in real time. I mean, most people long term for them is like lunch next Wednesday. 18 months. And you know what's funny is, as, as Jim brings up, well, so inflation, it's just wiggle. I mean, it's just inflation is not Bitcoin or the CRB index. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's glacial. And I would say that when we hit 9.1%, 
I think most of the bond bears and inflationistas out there were not saying we're going to be at 3.4 right now. Right. I think they were saying, all I heard was return to 1970s. Well, guess what? Inflation was above 9% two-thirds of the time in the 1970s, not one month. So when I hear, oh, 3.4 and sticky, sticky, sticky. You know what? Nobody, all the bond bears back at the peak of inflation didn't even, they thought actually the peak was still ahead of us. And no, we thought we'd even be close to 3.4. Well, defense to the bond bears. At 9.1% CPI in June of 22, you're 3.2 on the 10-year. And it went to 5 over the next 15 months. So they could have said the inflation is going to get worse, inflation is going to get worse. And they positioned themselves to make money. And they did for 15 months, not stop. Yeah. In November, but the, if for the next 15 months, it worked. For sure. And don't look at nobody. Look, nobody had 9%. I certainly was thinking like, holy smoke. But then when I sort of started to look at those supply demand curves, okay, and it was a gaping hole, uh, okay, it, it made sense. I, um, but and so the, look, the point is that uh, I would say that um, including, look at including Powell, uh, it, it was, it, it went much sharply higher but it was it was transitory yeah. and what's wrong with 3.4 without due deference what was the inflation rate when Volcker left office and you know yeah. I'll, just, I'll just say one thing by the way because I hear it all the time and, and from Jeff as well prices aren't coming down and I hear it today uh, the, that whatever Steve Leishman talked the price of eggs hasn't come down yeah, it is. well okay the thing is that did the price level come down is you know that during his seven-year tenure, the biggest inflation dragon slayer of all time, Paul Volcker, the price level went up more than 40%. Prices never came down under Volcker. He took the inflation rate from 14 down to four. Right. That, and that's what's important. It's not about the level, it's about the rate to change. It is, but as, as the people who are buying things, as Charles pointed out, all they see, they, if you ask the common person what they think about inflation, they will point to the gas pump or they'll point to their grocery bill. Right, and they'll compare it to two or three years, and it's and that's what it could we forcibly close this economy, and that and earning that. But I agree with you on markets. I agree with you that that's how we get through is to lower it. But people, this is why people think we have a horrific economy. When that's why consumer growth, yeah, well, you would the aggregate change. If prices start to go down, okay, and profits start to go down, what do companies do? They'll lay off people. They are and then the decline in employment and then wages is going to cause a reinforcing down cycle. So be careful what you wish for when you say, well, where, where's the declining prices? Okay. And by the way, it's not about the prices. It's about it's about inflation is about the momentum. It's, it's the rate of change. We start getting deflation in this country, which is a, a decline of the price level. All the people saying, well, we're, we're gonna, yeah, look out. So I'll, I'll just say, too, that when the Fed said, said transitory in 21, early 22, the way they crouched it is it was interpreted as peaked. Yeah. It was not interpreted as, that's right. you know, 18 months. And that's where it really kind of, you know, fell apart. Yeah. And that is a great way to end the roundtable today.